Welcome to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast presented by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, April Stearns. Each week for the next year, you'll hear an essay from our book read by the author. Igniting the Fire Within is a collection of stories of healing, hope, and humor, offering an insider's view into today's young breast cancer community. We compiled 50 essays for people diagnosed in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. There is medicine for each of us in these stories, whether you've been personally diagnosed with cancer or not. Wildfire stories in general, but especially the ones you'll hear from Igniting the Fire Within, are stories of transformation. Our storytellers experienced a shift in perspective as a result of something that happened to them. And the cancer diagnosis was not the thing that happened, or it wasn't the only thing. The cancer diagnosis was merely the catalyst for later changes that led our writers to understand deep truths about the world. Each one of them learned lessons that showed them what it is to live, not just survive, in the glare of cancer. We believe deeply that the stories that change us aren't so much about what happened as they are about what came next. And hearing those stories, true stories of transformation, that's what ignites the fire within each of us. A listener note before we dive in, cancer is a salty business and sometimes talking about it and the aftermath requires salty language. Listener discretion is advised. Today's storyteller is Erin Wise. Erin is a psychotherapist living and working in Annapolis, Maryland. She was diagnosed at age 42 with stage 4 de novo breast cancer that was hormone positive. She also discovered she carries the CHECK2 genetic mutation. Today, you will hear her reading her essay, A Guest Room for MBC. A house is never really just a house. It has a function, of course to house the people that live there. But houses are their own entities, each with its own individual personality. It only takes five minutes of watching HGTV for you to meet the charming cottage, the quaint bungalow, the understated craftsman with impeccable lines, or the bold and over-the-top penthouse apartment. Our first house was a drunk college student that peed in the bushes and is inexplicably missing one shoe split level. The house was poop brown and had abysmal upgrades, including two dumpsters full of trash left inside by the previous owner, three of four burners cracked on the electric stovetop, a non-working refrigerator, a pot-belly wood stove in the middle of the basement, and fluorescent orange popcorn paint covering the walls and ceiling in the master bathroom. It perhaps goes without mentioning that the house was a short sale purchased during the real estate crash in early 2008. We were young and naive, full of DIY, joie de vivre, and undaunted by hard work. We were ready to send our drunk college student to rehab. That was easier said than done. The house quickly became our dysfunctional family member, and we became a solid team as we tackled one disaster after another. No renovation or repair ever goes smoothly. Friends and family would tell us, yes, but, we would reply, and the Pandora's box of shit we had been dealing with would explode out of us. That's so cool that you guys are redoing your basement. You just moved in. Yes, but, 
and out came projectile word vomit about the water main exploding in the wall on week one, the basement flooding, the sump pump broken and not pumping out the water. And later, when we pulled off the ruined drywall, we found floor-to-ceiling black mold hiding behind the walls. Vomit, vomit, vomit. Slowly, we gutted each room, exposing her most vulnerable secrets with each layer of defense we removed. Slowly, we rebuilt each room, forcing our house to be a respectable member of society. No longer would we tolerate heating ducts spewing their hot air like empty promises into the walls. Slowly, we began to trust it, finally secure in the fact that we could celebrate holidays and special occasions without the house going on a drunken bender the day of and blowing up the water heater, air conditioner, or sewage pipe. And eventually, we bestowed upon it the greatest honor we could think of, to care for and nurture our growing family. The sink we installed held the pregnancy tests while we waited for our lives to change. We built the staircases that supported my pregnant body as I made endless trips to the bathroom. Bamboo floors we laid encouraged the early first footsteps of one baby and then another. Brand new walls listened to the giggling of two brothers delighting in the existence of each other. Our hot mess of a house had grown up and found true meaning in life, as had we. She held on tight that day in August of 2019 when I threw open the front door, unhinged after the phone call at work that told me my life, our lives, were forever changed. Metastatic breast cancer invaded our very existence and seized control of our cozy split level. It wasted no time as it sat down at our once-welcoming kitchen island, threw its gigantic, filth-encrusted boots up on the granite countertop, and looked me dead in the eye. You see this? NBC growled at me while gesturing wildly. I'm in charge now. Where you go, I go. Where I go, you go. Forever. And it laughed the maniacal laugh of a deranged tyrant. Wait. Why are you here? I think you have the wrong address. I'm a mom with young kids. I'm sure there's some mistake. I tried to reason with it through my denial-clouded glasses. I don't make mistakes, NBC bellowed, and began to pull things from its well-worn, oiled leather bag and hurl them at me as it unpacked. I gathered my family behind me to protect them from the odd ricochet. NBC looked up. You can't protect them. It warned, they're in this too. My husband's hand tightened around my shoulder and I could hear my boys start to cry. I don't know what to do, I admitted, and I sank down on that bamboo floor and cried helpless tears. NBC took control of us, its new family that day. It was unstable and unpredictable, storming around the house, creating arguments, Flamming doors so hard they shook the foundation of our sweet home. It was always present, making itself a part of everything. Squeezing in the car on the way to soccer and whispering in my ear that it could be the last one I attend. Showing up to work uninvited to tell me that my children will grow up without a mother. Interrupting conversations to remind everyone that it would kill me. NBC never slept preferring instead to spend its nights gaslighting me, convincing me I invited it to live with us. 
assuring me that if I just did the perfect Google search, I would find the mysterious way to evict MBC, the cure. Her house was reeling. She could not protect us from the ravages of MBC and didn't know how to take the pain away. All of her tried-and-true comfort methods were impotent against an adversary like NBC. Her fireplace no longer cast its same relaxing spell. Kitchen cabinets previously opened in anticipation of something delicious being created to nourish souls went untouched, replaced with meal train dinners left in the cooler on the porch. She held on as long as she could, but eventually it became too much. By the time we were ordered to stay inside to stay safe from COVID-19, our house was depleted. She had nothing left, having struggled for so long to hold all of us together while NBC destroyed everything. We were trapped in the skin of a house that felt tighter and tighter as each week passed, and we were suffocating. Two young boys with exponential amounts of energy, two adults, the gentle English lab, the calico cat that hated us, and NBC taking up all the space. The house felt like it would explode that summer, all of us trapped inside with nothing to do besides work, fight with NBC, and be miserable. So we made the difficult decision to say goodbye to our exhausted house and to find a place that had space for all of us. You know I'll always love you, I whispered to our weary house one day in early November as I slowly walked down her steps, my hand trailing down her wall. I do. Her voice, no longer the wretched screeching of twelve years ago, now contained the golden warmth of honey. We have to go, I admitted, as I sat down on her bottom step, the one that once served as our thinking spot for the boys. I could still see their small handprints on the wall and I traced their outlines. It's time, she agreed, fatigue showing itself in her voice. Can I leave NBC with you? I pleaded, desperate to be free from it. You know you can't. How about the cat? Can I at least leave her? She hates us. Absolutely not. And she laughed a deep, rolling, heartfelt laugh. I stood then, took one last look around, breathed deeply, and walked out to join my family waiting in the car. We all moved to a stately colonial. NBC jumped out of the car when we pulled into the new driveway, excited to exploit yet another unsuspecting stronghold, but it hung back as we entered the new house. I could sense NBC's hesitancy as it slowly got its bearings when it finally entered the foyer, not sure if this location was friendly territory or not. It glanced around, then immediately disappeared on a reconnaissance mission to understand what it might be subjected to. When it returned, it joined me and began lodging its complaints and identifying renovations it wanted done. The bedrooms are all upstairs. You won't be able to climb them when I infiltrate your bones, so I propose that we put the hospital bed in the living room. It then showed me how I could knock out a wall to put in a full bath on the main floor when I can't bathe myself anymore. Pointed out the beautiful long staircase in the open foyer that would be great for prom pictures and told me not to get my hopes up. 
and shared that although the house is big enough for the boys to bring friends home with them from college and later their own families, I'll probably be long gone by then. All I could think was, if I'm gone, I take you with me, you bitch. The new house was quiet initially, respecting boundaries, not yet sure of his role. He watched NBC taking measurements and making notes, unsure of what it was actually doing there. Eventually, the new house pulled me aside to sit with him by his welcoming and cozy fireplace, a fire dancing playfully upon its hearth. He offered me a glass of red wine like any good host, settled in and took a deep breath. So, he said in a rich and soothing voice that sounds like Morgan Freeman, the pregnant silence hanging between us. Who is that? and he nodded ever so slightly towards MBC, who was at that moment drinking celery juice while yelling, Not today, celery, not today! I sighed a deep sigh that came up from my toes and stood up. That is metastatic breast cancer. It's a part of this family, unfortunately, and I need your help. That's why we're here. I grabbed NBC by the arm and began to slowly walk upstairs, pulling it along behind me like a reluctant child who does not want to leave the playground yet. I prattled on to the new house about the destruction of our old house, the soul-sucking depletion of our energy, and the havoc that NBC wrought. But then, as we reached the landing, I described a turning point, an acceptance on my part, and the intense emotional healing I worked on. We arrived in the guest room, and I showed NBC its new accommodations. It was thrilled to have its own space, and immediately began planning where it would set up its display of clinical trial knickknacks it had collected. I slowly stepped backwards out of the room and silently closed the door. It was thrilled to have its own space, and immediately began planning where it would set up its display of clinical trial knickknacks it had collected. I slowly stepped backward out of the room and silently closed the door, much like I did when my babies were napping, afraid to draw attention to myself. The new house watched me, nodding his approval. Look, I said rather frankly, my hand still on the doorknob, holding the door closed. I need your help. I can't control this asshole without you. The new house looked at me, his face blank, then nodded once. I'm part of this team, he said, determination set in his eyes. Tell me what you need me to do. We walked down the stairs and went into the living room, the same one NBC wanted to put my hospital bed in, and I laid out our strategy. NBC is not in charge. It has no responsibilities, no opinions, no nothing. It is to stay in its room, the guest room, at all times. I will help keep it contained. This is your house, after all, the new house said. There's plenty of room for all of us to coexist. Yes, coexisting would be ideal, I agreed. Let's do it. Although we are stuck with it forever, NBC has learned to respect boundaries. By giving it its own space, it no longer dominates the household. It is a regular visitor in the mornings, however, standing right beside me expectantly as I take my medications and then stomping upstairs like a petulant child when I am successful at banishing it for another day. With every cough, 
headache, weird lump, or random pain, it eagerly pops its head out of its doorway and shouts, Did somebody call me? No, we all yell, and the new house politely rushes to close its door again. MBC consistently attempts to amp up the house when scans or checkups with my oncologist are imminent, howling at all hours. Let's get ready to rumble! But I am able to send it to its room and only talk to it when I am ready. The new house standing guard outside its doorway. I like to think that NBC does a lot of sleeping and napping in its room. But I know it sits there, ever vigilant, waiting for its opportunity to open that door and waltz back into our lives amidst hoots and whistles like Norman cheers where everybody knows its name. For now, though, it is staying put in its guest room, exactly where it belongs. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn. Check us out at wildfirecommunity.org to order your copy of the book so you can read along each week. You'll also find our magazine and storytelling workshops there. Big thanks to our producer, Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant, Monica Haro. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. If you like what you hear, tell your best friend, tell your mom, tell your oncologist. I mean, really, tell everyone you know. Or head into your podcast app and leave us a starred review to help others find their way to igniting their own fire within. Ooh.